hello uh welcome to another episode of the sim sundays podcast i was about to say which episode we're on sure i think we're up to like maybe 60 now 60 something late 50s i'm not sure it's been a lot it's been nearly over a year of recording this podcast which is a bit mind-blowing and right at the beginning of the podcast i did have some concerns i was wondering are we gonna be able to get enough guests to be able to fill out a full year's calendar i get different guests every week um but it's actually been surprisingly easy there's a lot of very interesting people working in and around sim racing and this week is no exception so this week i spoke to jorah from sim racing center now i love these types of episodes because i'm talking to somebody who is a genuine founder uh, they've created Sim Racing Center from nothing with a few mates, came up with an idea, and are now running a very successful sim racing business. If you haven't seen it before, check it out at, at Sim Racing Center. They sell um, setups and coaching packs and strategy guides, which is an interesting one. Um, and they've got big plans for the future. And I really enjoyed talking to him about how he started um, and the challenges that he's faced along the way and how he's kind of learned how to create this digital first product in sim racing so enjoy okay this is the jorrit podcast take 74 jorrit are you with me do you read me i i read you and i'm happy to get this show on the road <laughs> so this is day two of our podcast recording uh session yesterday the tech was not on our side which is ironic really given that we both work in tech <laughs> yes how are you sir sometimes sometimes it just doesn't want to work i'm doing great um excited to get this podcast on the road and uh uh looking forward to uh the question oh well there's many there's many hard-hitting questions this is um, i'm a pretty hard-hitting <laughs> journalist it's it's thoroughly planned out i've got this conversation mapped to expose the weaknesses should have had some pr training maybe then <laughs> yeah, you really should. um okay so for those who don't know Tell us about your sim racing startup, your sim racing venture, the organization that is, of course, Sim Racing Center. So Sim Racing Center is all about making you faster. Um, this is through the F1 game on iRacing and ACC as well. And we do this in various ways, uh, with ways such as coaching by real esporters, uh, esports engineers, um, but also through setups, race preparations, and live race engineers um, that help you throughout your race. So we offer everything to help you become better. Nice. I've been looking around your website uh, quite a lot uh, in the last, well, 48 hours now, um, obviously in preparation <laughs> for our conversation. And obviously setup shops exist. There's a, there's a few out there to choose from. But one thing that I did see on yours, which really interests me, was the race preparations. How did that come about? Was that something that people were asking for? Yeah, so um, most of the things on Sim Racing Center are built on demand, uh, like you say, indeed. It's something that we want to offer the full package uh, where the driver only has to really focus on doing the driving. Um, and if you get the setups and the race preparations, it works really well with each other. The, the race preparations, they are done with the setups, so the data is quite accurate to uh, what you're going to drive with. And basically, when you have those setups, you don't have to think mm -hmm. about how you're going to set up the car. When you have those race preps, you don't have to think about the strategy. It's just there on your screen. And that's just super nice. 
it really uh, removes a lot of stress and like uh, thinking about what to do in the race because you've got it all laid down there yeah. uh, on your on your second screen. So well, I'm really uh, it's basically a script of your race. Nice. Well, I'm really interested to go into that a little bit deeper and find out exactly how you kind of create these strategies and what sort of maths or testing is involved. Um, and the same with the, the setups as well. It'd be good to go into that. But first, take us all the way back. Take us all the way back to the time before Sim Racing Center what were you doing? How, like, what, how much sim racing were you doing? And, and then tell us about the point at which you decided, you know what, I think the sim racing world needs something more. It needs sim racing center. Yeah, so uh, it's quite an interesting story. It all started off with my love for motorsport growing around 2016, uh, getting into Formula One at that time, which is quite late. Um, and that got me into karting, uh, and I was going to do karting at a higher level at an academy and all of that, all of the good stuff, you know, and then COVID mm. hit and COVID was a time where I gave up my karting career, uh, for sim racing and absolutely fell in love with sim racing, met a lot of people online, a lot of great people. Um, one of the first people that I met were Luke Smith and Yona Martins. Luke Smith currently mm. being an Alpine esports uh, driver. Yona Martins currently being the Ferrari esports engineer, uh, former McLaren engineer, and they won the championship in 2022. So at the time, we all, all of us three, we, we weren't in the competitive scene yet. Uh, Luke was just... A good driver, Yona was just somebody that knew a lot about the game. <laughs> uh, and through time, we all really found our own path, our own um, way throughout the the Formula One uh, league racing and esports world. Really, uh, Luke uh, got signed by an academy team. Yona Martins started learning more and more and more about the game, and everybody started growing their network. Uh, and at the time, I was a software development student. I didn't really like my like my school. And at school, we didn't really do much. It wasn't really challenging. So at school time, I was finding a way to um, make myself productive. And in that time, I did, a little, I did a lot of sim racing. I had a lot of races. And in those races, I, I, I had no idea how to make a setup. But I had Yona, I had Luke. They, they knew the game through and through they always had a setup for me but they weren't always available mm. and so i always had to ask them do you have a setup for me and hope that they were online uh so for me i was like all right i kind of just want to make like a database full of setups you know like uh i just want to have them always ready on the go and also in my races i was always like well I do like practicing for the race, but I don't know that much about the Formula mm. One game. What are the strategies? I have no idea. I would always ask Yona, can I have a setup? Uh, and what's the strategy for tonight's race? And I felt like there were a lot of people uh, that I felt like there must have been a lot of people that were struggling with this issue too. So, and I, and I couldn't find anywhere to get this. And, um, and basically, like, I was happy to pay for it. And I couldn't find any service that provided it. So I decided, well, I've got these great guys with me. Let's do this together and build it up together and offer this service to the public. 
And that's what we did in November 2021. Luke Smith and I started gathering setups. And that's where the base of Sim Racing Center was made. Uh, not knowing how much it was going to explode back then. Um, it was going to be a subscription service at first. Uh, then it became a one-time purchase uh, thing. And we brainstormed about the many ways that we were going to market it, uh, put it on a website, in the Discord, everything. We had big, big brainstorm sessions. And in January, end of January 2022, after a little bit of success already, seeing some demand from some customers, uh, we got legally registered and that's where stuff got serious. Uh, and in that time, we started up the coaching side as well. That coaching side was a bit funny, that story. It's because at the time I knew a lot about the game myself too, because of Yona who taught me a lot. Um, and I engineered for Hayden Gullis and Thibaut Courtois at the time. So mm. I knew a lot about the game. I knew how to get quicker as well. And at that time I was pretty quick at the game myself too. So I offered myself as a Fiverr coach, uh, got booked, however, got COVID. Uh. Um, and then the first day out of lockdown, um, that's when the client scheduled with me. And we were going to go out <laughs> with the guys yeah. and like celebrate Be that free. we were out of lockdown. So there I was with a split decision, go out with the guys <laughs> or, <laughs> or coach somebody on the F1 game. And that's where it kind of hit me. And I sent Luke a message. I've got this guy who wants to be coached. I think you're a great guy for it. Would you like to coach him? Luke said, yes, great, let's do it. And I spent a lot of time with the guys and had some fun. And Luke had a great session with the client and the client absolutely loved it. After the night out, I uh, asked the client and Luke, like, how was it? Luke said, amazing, I, I, I do this for free. <laughs> I was like, that's not going to happen, unfortunately. And then um, the client said, it's, it was amazing. I, I became so, so much quicker within one hour. Can I come back next week? And then when he said, can I come back next week? I was like, all right, we're making this mm -hmm. a thing. So the same night, and I had some drinks already, <laughs> the, same, the same night I stayed up all night. I made a web shop. I think I w literally made a web shop until sunrise um, after a night out. That is impressive. Um, That's some serious commitment. And that, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta capitalize on this. Like, this is an opportunity. I gotta like make the most out of this. Uh, and from there, it went really well. Um, there was demand, there was customers and we just optimized from there was just optimizing and optimizing and optimizing um more setups more options um and then we went from the option system to a system where there were safe setups versus esports setups instead of like options mm. because people were struggling to f find like okay what's the right option for me so we made it so we made an easy option and a harder to drive, but if you get it right, mm. uh, it's good option basically. And that worked really well. Um, we have setup support. We built that where uh, basically when you have access to all setups, you can 
always ask in the setup support channel for a new one, a custom tailored made one, so that you always have the right setup, basically. So that's basically the thing. Like you don't only get the setups, you also get the setup support where you ensure that you always have the right setup, basically. That's interesting. So you do a one-off payment, but you still get support yeah. and custom setups whenever you want them. Exactly. So so it's a it's a one-time payment where um you're not paying only for the setups you're paying to ensure that you always have the right setup that's interesting without a doubt so that's basically that and that system um worked really well and we basically saw that we could do the same but with race preparations mm. um so we have the race preparations in the channels the discord channels and we also have a race preparation support uh, channel so that always you get the support that you need uh, and we got coaches and data uh, gatherers that basically man the support channels uh, and answer it sounds, any questions that our customers have pretty uh, comprehensive um okay so let's talk yeah. about what it was like starting a business that presumably has to support you in some way so beforehand you know, I was looking, um, I was looking earlier uh, at your LinkedIn, as I always do. Uh, and you worked at Domino's mm -hmm. and then you worked at um, a go-kart track and then it was uh, Sim Racing Center. Like, how did you exactly how did you find, how have you found the actual building of the business? So not Sim Racing Center, what it offers. That's, you know, obviously that sounds great. But like, mm -hmm. how have you found the process of building a business and then maintaining it and then dealing with complaints? And obviously you have a team now, like how, where did you learn these skills or has it just been something that you've developed as you go along so um this actually goes way back uh like you said i worked at domino's and that has been a very uh very good experience for me because that was my first job ever um and i think i was 15 at the time and my mom told me like you need to get get a job and i was a typical 15 year old saying no i don't mm -hmm. want a job <laughs> i don't want to work <laughs> i want to spend time with friends yeah. i want a game i want to do this and then finally she convinced me i got a job as a delivery driver at domino's and i absolutely loved it and that became a huge problem because i loved it so much at 16 years old i got the promotion to become the shift manager over there uh, and there I was managing um, stubborn 20 year olds, 30 year olds, even that work at Domino's that will not take yeah. anything from a 16 year old <laughs> uh, managing the team. And over there, I really learned how to deal with stress, deal with people that do not want to do stuff for mm -hmm. you, uh, but still you need to uh, get stuff done from them. I learned to manage stuff. I learned it was such a such a good experience. And I learned so much that at a young age, at 16 years old, um, I, I got that promotion and that role to a, a lot of responsibility. Basically, it was very odd, because I was the youngest there mm -hmm. doing that. Um, so that was a very um, uh, good experience. And that really carried over to starting sim racing center um where i wasn't afraid to take risks um 
I know with full confidence what was going to work, what was not going to work. Um, I knew how to manage people. I knew like how to keep the team happy. Um, and that was just a great journey as well. Like it really brought me back to that good, good old Domino's time where I was learning a lot and starting something like that. You need to learn a lot from legal side to graphic yeah. design side. You kind of have to do a bit of everything. At the start, right? Yeah. At the start, you're, you're the one doing everything. There's not when, when, when you're like starting up and you're basically doing it from square zero, there's not really much budget to have people do it for you. Mm. Right now we can afford lawyers, we can afford graphic designers, all of that. So I don't have to do it anymore. But at that time I had to make up the terms of service myself. I had to create the product images myself. I had to develop the website. I had to do marketing. I had to do the social media what myself. What was the hardest part? And I think that social media mm. is really hard because it's super time consuming. Um, it's, 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 it's a lot harder than you yeah. think, uh, setting up, um, like the process and optimizing the process is something that just took a lot of work, but it wasn't necessarily hard because I knew like exactly what to do. I knew like, okay, this is what we need. And this, this is what we need to make the customer journey better, et cetera, et cetera. However, doing social media is something that was so like time consuming, mm. like you're busy with other stuff and then you're like, oh yeah, crap, I need to do social media stuff because otherwise without good social media, a business doesn't exist. It's honest, that, that's how it is uh, at this mm. time. Um, so I think that's one of the first people, aside from the coaches that we hired was um, social media uh, manager. Um, and aside from that, what also was hard was doing customer service because, um, we didn't have much complaints, basically zero actually. Uh, but when an order had was placed, all I had to do was give a certain discord role mm. to the person that placed the order. However, you want to have the quickest fulfillment time, but you're not always available. Let's say I went to the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> And I was in the dark for two hours. And then after the after the movie, I opened my phone. Like, Crap, we got orders. <laughs> People have been waiting for two hours. Um, so yeah, that's that's also uh, a position that's created itself. And we immediately hired Bart, who from the start has been amazing with fulfilling orders. Um, he pioneered the customer service team in Sim Racing Center and. Uh, we're now a team of four, uh, basically ready to fulfill orders in any time zone, any time of the day, uh, all taking shifts, um, basically. So um, that that is something that needed like people real quick. Um, and aside from that, legal stuff, that's something that you can do and it's not really like time mm -hmm time bound like social media and customer service that's like where you need to be like quick with and stuff but that's something those are the first positions really that opened up themselves yeah i mean building a business when you first start it's like there's a there's that that classic poster where you've got the little man at the bottom of the like the mountain <laughs> and he thinks he can see the peak of yep. the mountain 
but actually when he gets to that peak there's a bigger peak behind it and then a bigger yeah. peak behind yeah. it and that is kind of exactly, exactly. what building uh, a business is like especially in sim racing because it's a brand new industry it's not like you're opening yeah i don't know um like a car garage or a hairdresser's or a cafe where mm -hmm. you can look at an example of a well-run cafe and be like great i need to imitate this exactly. and put my own spin exactly. on it like not many people do have businesses in sim racing and so there isn't really an established way to yeah go there's, about there's it. not really there's not really an example to look mm. at uh and that's that's something that was indeed really hard uh we had to come up with things our, ourselves which was fun you know it, it, that's the challenge mm. of it but um yeah there's there, there isn't really an example to look at and also um the industry is still quite small it's growing a lot i'm a, like it's growing really really well the sim racing industry and you can really see that um in the numbers but um i think there's still an incredible amount of potential for sim racing um mm. that is not released yet um however we've seen with esl r1 this year uh, what you can reach with yeah. sim racing. I think that was a very good showcase of um, uh, what sim racing can be and can go towards. It was very well yeah, run. Yeah, I agree. I think ESL R1 and uh, SRO, the scale at which they are growing yeah. sim racing is, uh, is absolutely nuts. Now, you focus primarily, I think it's fair to say, on Formula One, but I can see on the, the website that you have Correct. iRacing services and you have ACC services, but Formula One is kind of the biggest one. Now, my yep. question is, the game comes out once a year, so the game is very much subject to kind of periods of boom and bust. So mm -hmm. historically, we've seen a boom at launch and then it's petered out because people are furious about the quality of the game. This year seems yes. to be a bit of, uh, seems to be different, seems to be a lot better but you're still going to experience yeah. a huge boom at the beginning straight after the launch of the game and then it peters off throughout mm -hmm. the year. So I guess in terms of your business model, you must be quite conscious that you're expecting to do probably 50% of your revenue in the first 25% of the year. How do you manage that? So it's something that we know indeed is the case. And um, the thing is, we grow every year. Our customer base grows every year. And we see that a lot of customers are happy with us and buy again with us uh, each year. Um, it is true that most of the sales, most of the traffic is when that game releases. Because mm. obviously... That's the most hype. Uh, the people that want to get it, get it immediately. And then the rest of the year, uh, most of the, of the sales are people that just get to know us and go, oh, shit, this is cool. Uh, got to order there. Um, so that's through, throughout the year. It's mostly people discovering us mm. and going, okay, this is cool, uh, ordering from here. And at, at the game release, we have the existing customers that know about us already just ordering again uh, because they uh, enjoyed it last year, basically. And what about physics updates? So if you get an update to the, the model and the way the cars handles changes throughout the life cycle of the game, how yeah. do you yeah, do but... you then bring out a version two that people pay for? Or do you update the ones that's already been bought? Like That seems like a tricky one to manage. 
It is a very tricky one to manage, and we don't really like it. Um, <laughs> physics <laughs> physics it, updates yeah. are super super. Yeah, they're 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 very annoying <laughs> because um, we let our customers pay one price and one price only, and that price you get the setups, you get the setup support, and that's like you're done for the mm. year. You don't have to think about it anymore. So we do not charge extra for physics updates because. It's not in our customer's control when physics updates happen. However, we do have to invest time and money and the entire team needs to regather the entire setup line. Which must take a long, um, like how long does it take? So it, here we go. So when the new it, game comes out, presumably yeah. it's all hands on deck. Everyone goes out, drives, 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 mm -hmm. develops these setups. And at some point you decide, okay, we're happy that these setups are at the quality that we want them to be done like how long does yeah. it take you to do a full set of setups basically um so how we do it is we gather a baseline first and and that is something so we we have uh, an entire team of coaches setup developers data gatherers and that is managed by a branch manager that branch manager is yona martins uh, and he's been doing a great job at it. So it it can take it could take um, around a week for us to basically have everything. Um, is that how long it took us? And F1 that is quite quick. So uh, for everyone, yeah, it's, we we had them uh, already somewhere stored, but we couldn't publish them before the game launched. Mm. So um, basically, we had the baselines. We got them published uh, basically straight away. So people that had early access uh, could drive with uh, our developed setups. However, um, at the early stage, we started with a baseline. And there you go. There, there are the setups, basically. However, in those early stages of the game, when everybody plays it, new things get discovered mm. with the break bias, with whatever like new metas get discovered so the setups are like very intensively updated constantly and you'll see that weekly or maybe sometimes like two times a week you'll see an updated setup or maybe every every setup gets updated uh, because they found something else so that is something that the setup team does completely by themselves um they look at the setups and go like okay what needs work mm -hmm. and they also um so we have the setup support channel, but there's also like a setup talk channel where, where people can just chat about it. It's, it's a chat with everybody that has the setups. Um, and basically, if we ever get somebody saying like, oh, I don't like this setup, it gets looked at immediately. And the, the setup developers will go, okay, uh, maybe we'll make, need to make a new one uh, or maybe it needs some changes, mm. uh, basically. All just to make sure that we have the most up-to-date and meta good setups, basically. Yeah, I mean, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I feel like customers yeah. would probably understand that, that after the launch of a game, when all of a sudden you've got hundreds of thousands of people testing, the testing <laughs> is going to be a lot more thorough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So another question. You work in an industry that is very, very difficult to track. And what I mean by that yeah. is the products that you are selling is essentially like a set of numbers. So mm -hmm. if I decide that I want to buy the full set of your 
um, setups and then publish them to our Discord, then I've just given those away to, for free for like 2,000 people. Like Now, clearly, that makes me a very, very bad person in this example. But <laughs> yeah. what, how do you manage that risk? It is it is tough. Um, we have seen it happen, and we are allowed to take legal action for it. Um, we have lawyers that um, have looked at the terms of service and gone like, okay, this is what we need to change in it. And it is made very clear to people that buy with us that it is strictly not allowed to share those setups. Um, and what we notice most of the times is that when those setups get shared, there will be somebody coming to us with, hey, your setups are getting mm. shared. And when those setups are getting shared, it is very, very easy <laughs> to track who is the root mm. of the of, of, of the leak, basically. And then we can easily address them um, and take legal action. And it, it, has that happened in the past? We have uh, only noticed minor leaks. Mm -hmm. um, we've been very, very polite. Um, we have the power to um, to take legal action and it would hurt the person mm. doing the leaking. But I I am a pretty nice guy. <laughs> I don't want to I, I don't, I don't want to do that. However, if 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 you're going to do it at a big scale, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. <laughs> there's going to be like legal action taken, mm. but when when it's when it's on small scale, most of most of the time we just contact them, we talk it out, and we fix the issue, um, and um, it gets sorted. Yeah. Um, we like to solve it that way because we don't want to ruin somebody <laughs> with with the legal action that we're allowed to take because the setups are part of our intellectual property, mm. um, and when you share that, it is very legal yeah. <laughs> now that, that that makes a lot of sense so let's let's um yeah. moving on then uh obviously setups exist in a lot of games in sim racing nearly every game i can think of has, has some form of setup some more comprehensive yeah. than the other uh you even fifa has 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 custom tactics even fifa <laughs> yeah so that leads me on to my next question which is at the moment you're providing setups for f1 do you mm -hmm. intend to expand to things like acc and, and i racing and if, if, if that is indeed something in the works um we currently have a acc setup on demand uh, product um the acc team is currently uh, being developed behind the scenes it's a bit smaller than the formula one team the formula one team is quite quite large uh but we have some acc coaches uh setup developers uh we currently have the on demand um set a product where anybody can just ask i need the setup and within 24 hours you'll have that setup it's subscription based opposing to uh, one-time purchase based but soon we will also just like the formula one um, um product line we will also have a acc setup database with the tracks for that are relevant basically mm. and then we plan on later and that's something we haven't uh, dived into yet because that's quite a large product uh, is iRacing setups yeah. as well. So that's all to come in the future. Mm. And it must be it, it must be a difficult one. So in terms of 
you know, businesses often get evaluated as scalable or not scalable. Um, and I feel yep. like your F1 product, it's kind of you build one product every year and then you can you can sell it throughout the year and you can market it in different ways, do collaborations, partnerships, affiliate schemes, et cetera, and sell that throughout the year. With ACC, mm-hmm. it's a bit different because obviously all the cars will require different different setups rather than there being yeah. just, just one. So all of a sudden, it's not yeah. one times the number of tracks. It's like 20 times mm-hmm. the number of tracks. And then in iRacing, yeah. you've got... A, 40 times 150 yeah you know and and then it's, in terms of like each track has got you know in i racing so i um oh my my goodness i'm getting ptsd just thinking about this but i for grid finder <laughs> i built a database of every track mm-hmm. on every racing mm-hmm. game and every variation of that track um so i have oh, a my. so in the in the in the in the the data row you have the track name yeah. the variation name the length of the track the country the track is in the nearest city to the track, a track map which has been made <laughs> transparent so that we can use that around the site, and then track images. And this is all for features coming quite soon on Gridfinder. How long? How how There's long did over that take? Four thousand, right? So so it's <laughs> enormous, right? And it took me yeah. about three weeks, Monday to wow. Friday, probably Monday to Sunday, to be honest, from like nine until six, wow. seven in the evening every day. Wow. Um, what an and, effort! I mean, I, Come I, on. That was, oh, well, thank you very much. That was <laughs> it was a, it was a horrible dark period in my life that I don't want to talk about anymore. But it's done. <laughs> you got to give this man some praise for that because holy moly, that my, is a lot of my work. My point <laughs> is, if you start making setups for iRacing, obviously a setup for mm-hmm. the short version of a track is going to be different to the long version, and so that in the yep. number of products that you have to make, in terms of the amount of hours per product, it's a lot higher. Mm-hmm. because you would need somebody yeah, to do exactly. every variation and then every car because it could be an open wheel it could be a formula v or it could be a gt3 <laughs> or it could be a formula one like the ex- the yeah. number of experts and, and because there's so many like somebody looking for a setup of that variation of the track on that particular car is going to be on mm-hmm. average a fraction of the number of people who are just looking for an f1 setup exactly it's 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 a lot tougher and that's why we haven't dived into it yet um for formula one you know like anybody that plays the formula one game and is really good Mm. at it knows how to make a setup and boom done i racing you've got people that only drive maybe gts Mm. i have no idea how 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 formula car works so to assemble a team for i racing is such a bigger challenge um than just formula one and acc is also a big challenge to gather all of it but iRacing is such a huge challenge you need such a big team mm. uh who all have their own expertise on it um and the thing is i i have a great network within the formula one space so for me it's very easy to gather people that you know know a lot about formula one um it's very easy for me to get in contact with esports drivers or engineers or team managers, whatever. But for iRacing, my my network isn't that big. Uh, So that also makes it a lot harder for me um, to expand into that uh, iRacing space. And the way we solve that is by appointing a branch manager. And that branch manager with his network, with his experience, will be able to appoint people to certain Mm. things and plan out when what setups are being made uh etc yeah. but that is a future project 
it's gonna gonna be very tank consuming. Uh, but I can't wait to start because that's gonna be very exciting. Yeah, uh, la- last year we spoke to a guy called Jeff McConey, and Jeff McConey uh, mm-hmm. has a setup shop called McConey Setup Shop, and it's for i racing, but it's specifically for dirt racing. So it's so yeah, you know, which is a very very yeah. niche. Um, and, and then, and then yeah. so it was dirt first. Then now it's oval racing, and then he's just started to creep into some GT3 cars. That's like one or yeah. two of them, but it's a process, yeah, really. It's a huge process, huge yeah. process, and it's it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to watch how that grows and how for you, especially how the kind of the workload grows as you now have multiple different teams to to run. But it sounds, yeah. I mean, it sounds incredibly exciting, especially given that a lot of those engineering setups, I imagine will end up becoming your, your coaches as well in, in, for the coaching yep. service that you offer. Um, yeah. I'll, yeah. A lot of times uh, it is the coaches doing the setup gathering uh, and stuff. So for data gatherers, um, we, we have th- that's sometimes done by engineers. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And it, it, it's nice to be able to have like a, a holistic, uh, product. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you wanted to, if you're like, right, you know what, for whatever reason in my life, I've got a lot of time uh, coming up and I really want to get good at F1. It's nice to be able to go, okay, I can yeah. get my setup and I can get my coaching and I can get my data. And then the exactly. bit I want to talk about next is the strategy guides. How much testing or maths or process, is there some kind of spreadsheet that you've got where you put in the track and you put in some data and it spits out the the strategy or is it just trial and error this is raw raw testing mm. um obviously within f1 there's some things that you know already and you can take account of but um we this year um badger man's been the man on the race mm-hmm. preps uh he's a guy that knows so much about the formula one game like an incredible amount uh he's been taking care of the race preps um what we did uh this year opposing to last year is that last year we had a team doing it uh that worked we had the race preps quicker however we saw that the when you're doing it in a team everybody has their own philosophy uh about it so it differed a little bit sometimes like how the race preps were filled in but basically how we do it is uh we have a template um and that template is carefully um made together like what do you what do you need to know mm. before your race like you need to know your strategy uh and then there's stuff in there such as the ers usage on the track uh how much your tires get worn mm. the safety car windows you know like if you get wing damage lap one what do you need to do like stuff like that's in there um and this year we've assigned badger man with the rule to take care of all the race preparations and it is a tough job. Yeah. And Badgerman has been absolutely grinding the game, testing and testing and testing over again uh, to make sure that those race preps uh, get posted into the channel. So it's a product that takes so much longer to um, create, mm. uh, opposing to the setups, uh, because the setups is just a little bit driving, fine tuning, and all of that. Of course, a lot of testing, but not as much testing as the race preps. Because for race preps, you need to do full runs. You need to do full runs, and not only once. You need to do full runs with hard stints, medium stints, wet stints. Mm. You know, like there's so much to be tested, and there's 
so much tracks. So it is a lot of work. So hats off to Badger Man for doing all of that yeah, work. Uh, that is incredible. Now, there's a couple yeah. of AI products that are coming out for setups and coaching. You've got uh, Track Titan and uh, Trophy.ai, mm-hmm. both of whom have these on-screen kind of directions and guidance that say, right, you've got damage pit now, or, you know, take a better line here or whatever it is, or, you know, yeah. you, you go and do some laps and says, tweak this, tweak that, tire pressure's here, front wing there. Mm-hmm. What's your take on the AI alternative when it comes to setups and coaching? I think AI is pretty cool. Uh, however, I like to keep it human. Mm. <laughs> um, I like it when there's an expert that has said, yes, this is correct. Yes, this is good. Instead of a computer taking raw data and then spitting it out. It can work uh, and it may work really well. Um, and that's very good. However, I like it where it's been checked by an expert, somebody who, who, who has spent or whose life is dedicated mm. to um, getting knowledge about the Formula One game. Uh, and that it's been checked by a person like that. Uh, that just gives me so much more confidence than a computer telling you what to do. Yeah, and I guess I guess one of the uh, the interesting variables in racing that makes it difficult for AI to compete is people's personal preferences for driving style. Exactly. Um, so yeah. you know, maybe in the in the future, you, you potentially they could develop something where they they watch you drive and then identify what your preferences are but i think that'd be pretty difficult but i guess your coaches can if somebody says i like this setup but actually it's a bit pointy for me there's stuff you can do yeah that's that's what we have the setup support for and also the coaching sessions uh the setup support anybody can say anything about the setup and if they want mm. change they'll have a tailor-made change and if, if they're really struggling in a coaching session, you literally have an hour with an esports person. So there's no doubt that they'll fix yeah. whatever the problem is. Maybe it's even something in your brake pedal. Maybe it's something in your steering wheel or a setting. They'll even help you with that. It's anything that will make you faster. They will help you. Yeah. So it's been less than two years since you started sim racing center and i imagine that it's probably difficult to work out if it feels like that's been forever or has absolutely flown by but what's been your proudest moment since starting sim racing center i feel like um it was it, it was a very proud moment for me when i went to the formula one arcade and got recognized mm. for are you are you that guy from Sim Racing Center? <laughs> that was that was a moment where I went, oh damn, that's that's pretty cool. Um, but for me, there's there's been just a lot of little proud moments, um, milestones, and all of that. We had like a sales target for the first year, and we 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 reached it. It was like it was like gonna be very close, and we reached it. So that was like a very very like big celebration moment um but just it's such a proud feeling to have a team of almost 30 people now Mm. um and that i can provide uh income for those people doing what they love and that's something that when i started it was the dream basically um where i could have my friends work for me 
doing what they love and getting paid for doing what they love uh playing the formula one game basically so that's something that makes me super proud and happy uh that i can help those guys out uh financially um while they literally play the formula one game um so that that is also a very proud moment and also what makes me very proud uh is getting dms from people uh getting seeing the reviews that are posted on the website seeing reviews posted in the discord channels we got so much positive reviews it feels so amazing like the reward of it is just it just feels so good because we all work really hard and seeing people being positive about it is just such an incredible feeling Mm. um really rewards and shows um that what we've been working so hard towards um, is paying off and is making people genuinely enjoying the game more. It feels so incredibly good. Um, and also um, what I really, really, really like is meeting people from the sim racing space, uh, creators, uh, people from the community. Mm um i love meeting them Uh, i'm going to london this weekend uh meeting more creators um so that that's stuff that i really really love to do yeah i mean it it is absolutely nuts that we live in a world now where you can make a living by doing something you genuinely enjoy like having a job that you enjoy is a privilege and very few people get to do it so uh, yeah i uh I, i would agree with you that um being in a position where you can create jobs and livelihoods based on something that people are really genuinely passionate about is is an incredible yes. feeling it, it feels amazing it's, it's so amazing. final question because we're, we're short for time now but um yeah. what's next what's on the horizon what should people be looking out for with sim racing center so uh as 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 mentioned previously iRacing and acc are going to be built up um that's that's our big projects coming up um Maybe maybe some and some, some cool stuff with Gridfinder. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and um, basically, we're we're gonna be expanding on every single thing we can expand on. Um, we're working really hard behind the scenes to um, to really work hard to get every th- single thing, every single procedure that we have. Um, like optimized to perfection and one thing to look out for i'd say is our brand new website that's coming up exciting with a customer area within the website um where coaching uh, scheduling coaching sessions gonna be super easy uh access to your setups and race preps is gonna be super easy uh booking engineer is gonna be super easy and it's gonna be super nice with a system with accounts where it's going to be very easy um for you to have your account uh, and then transfer over certain things it's it's a global domination is what i'm hearing <laughs> exactly exactly well jorrit thank you so much for your time really really appreciate it it's been absolutely fascinating and it's been great to kind of watch this journey as well as you've been growing it out and yeah like you say looking forward to some exciting uh projects with 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 little old Gridfinder. thanks uh, thanks for joining exactly. us thank you so much for having me
Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, I really did. Thank you, Jarrett, for spending the time to uh, talk to me today and go through your journey as a, as a startup founder in sim racing. Um, I found your story fascinating about how you're having to grow out these teams and how you're kind of making these decisions about which sim titles are more scalable than others, which ones require more intensive labor when it comes to creating these uh these setups um and i also really liked hearing about your reasoning for your your pricing approach which is this is a tricky one working out how to how much to charge your your customers is always a difficult one for a, um an early uh founder um so thank you joe i really appreciate the uh chat uh, thank you everyone uh, for listening thanks to our sponsors as always and we'll see you next week